Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. We are live. All right. Well, um, thanks for those who are going to tune in live here late uh, Thursday night. I am Jacob Daniel with the uh, Daniel 3 podcast. Um, I'm excited to have um, uh, a guest on tonight with me um, who I don't, I, 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 we've talked a lot, but I also don't know a lot about him. So I'm excited to get him on and get to know more about his his backstory and um and you know the things that uh talk about we're going to talk about uh you know christian liberty and stuff we're going to talk about the lp we're going to talk about some, some issues that we care about and stuff hey i see ben's watching how you doing ben um so i'm going to bring him on right now his name is samuel uh is it whiplinger is that how you pronounce it it is yeah whiplinger good I was, good I was old like german name that. Oh, German. Yeah. <laughs> My last name is actually not Daniel. For, I, some people sometimes are like, I don't trust someone that it's got two got a first name for a last name but it's actually not my last name it's just i don't know i for a while i didn't have my last name up just because for privacy reasons so i just went by jacob daniel but my last name is winograd which is russian for grape so my last name is literally just a grape because i guess my uh my uh russian ancestors were like you know had their own vineyards and stuff probably or or, or were just drunks so who knows <laughs> uh what are those one of my favorite moments in the Babylon B podcast is where uh, Ethan Nicole is explaining how when people pronounce his last name, they're like Nicole Lai because it's like a, a girl's name and they don't want to make say a girl's name. <laughs> they're like, oh, well, what what's what's Kyle's last name like? And Ethan's like, he has the most manly name of all. And it's like, what is your last name? It's like, man, his name's Kyle Man. <laughs> I just thought that was <laughs> like the, one of the funniest things on that show. <laughs> that is kind of funny. Um, so, so, um, Sam, like, I feel like we've talked a lot and yet, like I said in the intro, I don't really know that much about you personally. I know, I mean, we've both kind of been on, on Hody's show together on a enemy of my enemy. Um, I know you were in the Mises caucus. I know you're a Christian like me, but you know, I, I, these are like facts anyone else could know. So I wanted to start off a little bit here just to get to know you a bit more personally. So kind of like what your background is, uh, how you came to, uh, libertarianism um, and you know what your your personal views are like what your the, the things that really drive you that you that issues that you care about the most all right yeah so uh, my background is I, I grew up homeschooled and a little bit sheltered actually which isn't true of all homeschoolers obviously but um, grew up very uh, like in a charismatic church where they would like pray on you and you're supposed to fall over remember like the first time I got prayed on in that way like he put his hand on me and then uh, like he just threw me off balance. So I f kind of fell over and someone caught me and it was spiritual. And then uh, another time um, he like pushed on me and I like, I just like pushed back and then like, I didn't follow the Lord didn't knock me over that time. So that, that's kind of my upbringing, a, a lot of that. And then I kind of um, had a friend who was Lutheran and he kind of brought me more that direction. I'm still not great on theology. Uh, it's just, 
you can explain it to me and it makes sense to me. And then I kind of just forget about it because it, I don't know if it, it's a lot of, it seems almost like rules or just, uh, but anyway, um, so I used, and I was like really into music and piano and all of that for a while. And then I had kids and didn't really have time for anything. So I just sat on my phone a lot, arguing with people on the internet. And that's kind of how I became a libertarian because I wanted to be right about everything. And um, that's the, that's the best way to do it. Um, so yeah, I remember like, um, like when I first got married on the back of my car, they wrote uh, one man, one woman. And I was super proud of that. And I got like some guy stopped in a restaurant and gave me like 50 bucks just for having that on my car. And then I was talking to someone about it and he's just like, well, you know, I don't, I don't think uh, government should have anything to do with marriage, like between free individuals. And I was just like, like, I never thought about that before. It was either, you know, are you for gay marriage or are you against gay marriage? It's, hmm. But the idea that uh, maybe it has it's none of our business uh, never really occurred to me. So uh, that kind of led me down the path of libertarianism and then just uh, immigration, looking into that and um, uh, uh honestly a lot of memes like it just started off with memes like i followed i was like you know i kind of have libertarian leanings i should just follow a bunch of pages libertarian pages so i just searched facebook libertarian pages and then got really into libertarian memes because i mean they're actually really good arguments in a meme um yeah and then um yeah and then <laughs> i got into reading like a lot of fee and cato and then i uh got into like the podcast words and numbers which is a great podcast and then uh someone in the words and numbers backstage facebook group said hey we're arguing about intellectual property in this group you should come join so then i joined the mises caucus <laughs> and then i <laughs> and then i found out like about dave smith tom woods and like I just did everything ass backwards for like be, being a Mises Caucus member. But yeah, that's uh, that's kind of my origin story in a nutshell. Yeah, there's a lot there I can um, uh, pick out and kind of um, r relate to. I, I grew up um, in kind of like different charismatic uh, Pentecostal settings. Actually, my oh. child, my childhood church, like the one that I remember my earliest years was a charismatic Episcopalian church, which sometimes is a, you know, kind of seems like an odd combo, but it, but it was. And um, we, it was always non-denominational. Like denominations didn't make sense to me. I remember like the first time I um, like got into like a Christian Facebook group and was talking to people and I was just like, I'm non-denominational and us like non-denominational Christians can sometimes probably sound very autistic to Christians who are coming from different de denominational backgrounds or, uh, you know, ca whether they're Catholic, Lutheran or, or whatever. Um, uh, Looks like my Sam, camera went off. Um, let's see here. Yeah. See that. Oh, no. I think you're, I think you're back. All right. I didn't do anything, but <laughs> although it, it inverted your image, but uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought you were just, I thought you were sitting very still. I was like, he is impressive. He's just like, <laughs> just not moving a muscle. Um, <laughs> yeah, I tried uh, uh, setting my, I got like an older laptop. So I was using the older laptop camera, but I'm like, I'm in the modern world. I should use my phone as a, with a camera. So I tried that. So oh, that might cool. be it. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I've known, I know you can do that. I've just never 
I've always had webcams, so I've always just been able to use those. But um, yeah, there's, I mean, it's pros and cons. I mean, the nice thing about a phone is you can use it anywhere, but uh, the, um, but yeah, I remember growing up, I I didn't have uh, too many experiences like yours exactly with the people. Like I would see that, but I, I never went up to like the ultra calls and stuff. That stuff always weirded me out, but I do remember feeling ashamed because I couldn't speak in tongues growing up in the uh, charismatic um, parts of Christianity and different churches and stuff and kind of questioning my, my faith and my salvation because I, uh, you know, wasn't able to do that. Um, but uh, ended up in a more kind of like, it was still not technically a like denomination uh, denominational church, but I ended up in a church that was kind of like a, a reformed theology church. And it was a lot more, um, scripturally sound and, um, they, they still kind of, you know, they, 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 they weren't denominational, so they still had like more of a contemporary worship style. Um, so, and I, I fell in there and started to mature more in my faith. Um, but yeah, I, I came into libertarianism kind of through arguing on the internet too, and, and memes and stuff. It was actually a, uh, uh, I've said this on the podcast a lot, but the, the, the meme, uh, t- like it was, um, so there was this meme. And like I had started looking to libertarianism a, a little bit before this. That's how like I, I was able to see this meme. But somebody shared a meme. It was like, we need a Disney princess. That uh, slogan is taxation is theft. Um, and that was like the first, like, I think I had seen that expression before, but I, I didn't really understand it. So that I made a post in a libertarian uh, group I was in that was like a local libertarian group um, that happened to be filled with a lot of Mises caucus members. But at the time I didn't really know that. Um, but I, I was just like, okay, but like, I don't, I was like, is all taxation theft? I was like, I don't know, like, you know, I, operating in a statist mindset of like, well, we need taxation, right? Like, you know what I, I, and I literally went through like all the cliches. I mean, I was like, you know, like, like I think the first thing I said was like, I mean, you know, I like roads. I mean, I think we need roads. Right. And all the libertarians is like, oh, really, really? You went there. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I was in, um, I was in speech and debate in high school. So I had a debate background. So I literally just sat there all day. And debated with these people. One in particular, who's now a really good friend of mine, who um, he was he was on my my podcast last week. Uh, Colin, I'm going to get him live here soon. But uh, my friend Constantine, also in the Mises Caucus. Um, but yeah, he he literally argued me and trolled me into libertarianism, basically, <laughs> um, just through just through offering good arguments and then mocking my really bad statist ones. So it was a good good. Uh, he he was, he, he was playing good cop and bad cop all at the same time. So it was. It was it was it was rather effective, um, and um, yeah, I became a Mises caucus. Uh, I, I became a, a a Mises style libertarian. You know, got showed Tom Woods, Dave Smith, and all that stuff. And um, but yeah, then I started this pod, this page and podcast because I mean I don't know what your experience is, but it seems like a lot of you know conservatives and Christians and stuff are um, unfortunately very statist in their mindset, which can be very hard to. Uh, to, to put up with. I know the, the gay marriage thing, I feel like it's not as much of an issue that's talked about in church circles as much anymore. Um, oh. But, but, um, but certainly there's a lot of other ones, especially after Trump that are still very prevalent. I know um, I- immigration seems to be something that's talked about a lot. I mean, I remember I was at a, a men's retreat at my church. Oh, probably 2015. Uh, I wasn't even a libertarian yet at this point. Um, but I remember like before Trump, I, w- I was kind of more left-leaning then. And I was 
at a, a men's retreat and the people were talking about how, uh, you know, we, we got to vote for Trump, even though he's a little rough around the edges and stuff, but we just can't let the Democrats pump in all these immigrants to, to, to win these elections and stuff. And, um, you know, and then I know over the past uh, two years, three years with all the Black Lives Matter protests and all that, the conservative Christians have, I mean, for the most part, come out really strong in um, support of like police and stuff, which is really hard to, uh, you know, like my my uh, my libertarian, like, you know, like shit poster wants to come out and call them bootlicker. So I was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't do that in the middle of the church sanctuary. <laughs> but, um, but it just seems like, um, I don't know, like they, they, they a lot of Christians call themselves conservatives and they'll be good on like gun rights and stuff like that. But it's just they seem to be really in support of the state, especially some of the most authoritarian parts of the state, like, um, you know, the, the, the very authoritarian control of, of, of borders, at least in my opinion, and some libertarians have different views on borders, but, but definitely the, the being very pro cop is also concerning. I mean, what are, what are your views on, on those subjects and other, other statist entanglements that we see in, in Christianity? Yeah. I mean, I think Christians are, there's a lot of um, just natural draw to authoritarianism in just uh, Christianity itself. Like not obvious, there's a fly. <laughs> uh, obviously, um, if you're, if you're doing it right, I don't think it's as authoritarian as people want it to be, but especially like these Baptist churches, like they're very much like man is in charge of his husband and his family. And then the church pastor is in charge of, everything and the the elders and it's it's very um hierarchical and if i'm butchering that word but so i think they kind of just transfer that on to okay well also cops well also the government and you know also god which is good and um yeah they kind of lose track of the no king but god and i i think uh yeah i think that's a lot of where it would stem from um where it's just like um, you're unable to sort of recognize that you're you're responsible for yourself and you're you can't just um, they try to idolatrize like pastors and stuff like I I was just doing the 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 Waco massacre showing and you know talking about David Koresh and sort of how he was a cult leader but not a cult leader but they weren't really sure. I think there's a lot of churches like that. And I think I grew up in a church like that, where it was like the pastor is being, is prophesying, you know, God's will, you know, he'd pray over me and tell me this is what's going to happen in the future. This is what's going to happen in the future of the church and all this stuff. And then we just kind of got suckered into that. And then um, a lot of that, I think just gets transferred on to like the government, like the government is good. And it's, you would take the constitution and the constitution is now like the Bible. And they just kind of, I mean, people who aren't super into politics and super into thinking all of this through, they just naturally just like, okay, you're in charge. I, I accept your authority. That, I guess that's my two cents on that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's, I mean, I guess it's like, you know, and there's passages like Romans 13 and others that are used to, you know, it's like the, the Bible is very pro authority and um, that gets twisted into, into saying it's pro state. And that's, you know, the, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a conflation that I, I've been 
pushing back against a lot in in my podcast and on my page, and it's tough because uh, I mean, just the other day I made a post, um, and uh, someone commented, person I know who was like, "Well, you said um, we shouldn't bow down to human rulers and human authorities, but what about?" Um, what about Moses and what about Joshua and like these were human uh, rulers, weren't they? And I was like, I don't know. Like they weren't kings, they weren't lord. You know what I mean? Like they were God's servants. They they held authority, but to me, the kind of authority that uh, the Bible demonstrates in in the leaders that God wants to you know highlight um, are people who are you know, they're being servants first and foremost. I mean, that's kind of what Jesus talked about. He said to be a leader is to be a servant. And uh, that was never more prevalent than when he was washing his apostles' feet, and really kind of showing, um, you know, the the heart of what it meant to, to, to be a, to, to be a leader, to be a, you know, I mean, this was, you know, Jesus down was, was Messiah. Jesus was, you know, a, a king washing the, the feet of his, of his apostles, which is just a very, um, you know, flies in the face of how people generally view like uh, figures in authority and stuff. But I think the godly view of authority, it's just like, you know, p- parents have authority over their children, but we don't, we don't act like parents own their kids or are like, are your master over your children. I mean, like your children are in your care and custody and and you're there to guide them and to shepherd them. But that doesn't mean that like they're your uh, subjects that you can tell them to do whatever they want. People recognize when um, someone who is a parent can use their authority in a way that's not okay. That's, that's um, an abuse of their power and authority. So um I think there's a, a conflation there that people just assume anyone who is in authority is, uh, or, or anyone who claims authority um, should be obeyed. But I, I think it's, I think it's more well, complex than that. And I think the too, it's like um, if you, if you're in charge and you're a leader, were you endorsed? Or is it some, is it a God appointed leader? Like Moses was God appointed very mm-hmm obviously um, like Joshua was God appointed. And I, you know, I think this leads into like American exceptionalism where it's like, yeah. um, you know, well, Trump is now God chosen. <laughs> and it's like, no, like, where did you, where are you seeing that? Like, where is that coming from? I don't, I don't see that at all. I don't think uh, God's really picking leaders anymore. Not in the, not in the way that he was in the old Testament. I mean, the old Testament was God's promise to, um, Israelites and through that, you know, all would be saved. I didn't completely work out that way, except, you know, through Jesus. But like in the New Testament, I I believe it's just for everyone. Like, and it's not so much centered around this one nation and um, the authority and rules of that. I don't know if that's the correct take. You know, I think, I think that's, you know, uh, I had this conversation with um, uh, Greg, um, Greg Baus on my podcast early on when we were talking about Romans 13 and um, you know, the idea that just anyone who ends up in positions of power in the state are, are God ordained is a error that the church has made. I think they're just like anyone, um, anyone that just ends up in a position of power. Well, then God ordains them to be in that position of power. I think that that's uh, incorrect. Um, 
and and part of that is that i mean it depends what you mean by god ordained and i think it's complicated because god has uh you know several different ordinances you know what i mean like there are moral things that he's ordained there are things like god in a sense because of god's position as as a sovereign he ordains over everything that comes to pass but i don't think that that's the kind of ordinance that uh it doesn't mean like yeah god ordains even over the actions of evil men when they're doing harm now he uses what the enemy intends for evil um and takes it and uses it for good for his plans and his ultimate purposes um it doesn't mean that he ordained that evil action in a sense that like he he was morally approving of it or like saying this person is acting in a in a sense of moral legitimacy and that we should be upholding and celebrating this person so it's it, it's it's the problem of people not looking at at uh ordinance in a sophisticated way because there, there's there's god's sovereign will which is you know that which comes to pass god is god is orchestrating um according to to, to his will and counsel but uh that does not mean that um that god is oh i, I agree with what uh what what actually there's a comment here what Stephen is saying um i agree god is not the the author of of sin um god doesn't make people do evil but god does sit sovereign over uh you know i mean this was like um when 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 israel was conquered by by evil nations many times in the old testament like god god wasn't uh, like in a sense making the people who were doing those you know acting in those evil fashions doing it but he is in like nothing happened outside of god's sovereign decree insofar as like nothing surprises God or, you know, nothing is like outside of God's control. The the evil that he permits is not something that he uh, causes in a deterministic sense. Um, it, it's something that God, um, but it's something that God sovereignly sits over and uses for, again, like, like God uses the, the actions of evil for good. And uh, that's different than saying, okay, but who has God issued for, um, issued as far as what is moral and legitimate authority in the sense of an ordinance that is not just talking about events that come to pass, but, but what is right and what is just, and what should we be, what, what should be normative? You know what I mean? And not just anyone who claims power and authority should be what we then say, okay, well, they're, they're who God has decreed as, as the right, the, 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 the right and honorable authority. Um, and this is, I think, um, a good support, support of this is when you look at Romans 13, which talks about the kind of authority that God ordains over. Uh, Romans 13 says that the governing authorities are not a terror to good works. Um, and, and that the, the purpose of these are to, to punish and restrain the acts of evil. Of, of the wicked so if somebody is not acting in that role well then they're not acting in what god has ordained like god's ordained governing authorities to do x y and z so people who aren't doing x y and z they are at, they are operating outside of god's ordinance and they are not people that we as christians need to be um you know what i mean like if a pastor like a pastor has authority right but if my pastor were to try to abuse that authority to tell me to do something that's outside of his uh, purview to do. Like if a pastor 
came into my home and decided to tell me like, uh, you're going to quit your job and you're going to go work here or you're going to, um, you know, like, like, you know, like just overstepping his bounds, you know, that, that would be, be wrong of him. Um, I mean, does that, does that make sense? So I, I'm trying to, uh, connect several things there. Yeah, I think it does. Um, the, at what point if God controls everything, like if, um, so, so you're talking about free will, right? So because there's free will, um, you can choose like there, there's what God, what is right in God's eyes. So, so, um, following Moses would be right in God's eyes, following Trump. There's no, there's no prescription for following Trump. Um, so I think in, if you believe in free will, then, uh, like you have to believe that God allows you to do wrong things. And then, um, if, but also he's prescribing you to do right things. And sometimes that means people like Moses and Joshua, but I don't think it means people like Trump, unless God explicitly says, you know, Trump is the person you're supposed to follow. And I, I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see that in anything. I haven't seen that, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's other passages that I think support these ideas too. I mean, I talk a lot about first Samuel eight where God literally compares Israel asking for a King to when they uh, erected the golden calf, you know what I mean? And, and says that you're going to be slaves to this earthly ruler. You're rejecting me for this earthly ruler describes all the horrible things that are going to happen. Like you're literally like, he's going to take your, he's going to take all your wealth. He's going to enslave your children to serve in the front lines of his wars and you will be his slaves. You'll cry out for help and I will not deliver you. Um, and, and then that cycle repeats itself throughout, throughout the Old Testament. And he literally says that you, you have rejected me for these earthly rulers. And so I, I think that um, this, this connects to passages like Romans 13. This connects to the idea of authority. Authority is not like what, what God has ordained as just and moral authority is not just whoever... Um, happens to claim it it's just like uh, another thing is like you know the whole render unto caesar like render to caesar what is caesar's okay well what belongs to caesar just anything he claims is his because you know what i mean like yeah and what what if if caesar says uh i I claim your wife is mine it's like oh render unto see no (laughs) caesar caesar says every you know yeah everyone everyone's cows belong to it's like people um i think the problem is people are mixing modern government theory into the Bible. Like people, people mix like the ideas of democracy into it. You know what I mean? They're just like, Oh, well, because these things are decided democratically, they're legitimate. And then they try to like. And actually we're all socialists. So obviously we all need to be socialists. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only logical conclusion. If they did it, it was prescriptive, right? Yeah. Um, Somebody made a comment. Mark twenty, Mark two twenty four to twenty eight is very relevant in this case. We gotta look that up quick. I don't know that passage quite by heart. Matthew, Matthew two twenty four. I think I froze up again. Let's see. Okay, so the Pharisees said to him, "Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath?" He answered, "Have you ever have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need in the days of 
Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, uh, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. I'm trying to figure out what he's trying to connect here. What they're doing is unlawful. On the okay, I, I kind of, I kind of think I get what he's trying to say here. Connect to it's, um, I like the picture. Yeah, yeah I like that picture to Jesus with him. Don't have to think about that. I, I think I know what he's trying to get at, but I can't quite uh, put it to words here live in the podcast. It's, yeah, I think it's kind of the idea that um, are, are we to do what is lawful? Yeah, yeah. Um. Are we to do what is lawful or what is right? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, this is, and then what, what do you, yeah. what do we mean by lawful? Because uh, Jesus would often criticize the Pharisees to be like, you, you, you wear the law. Like they, they, you know, they had all the, the things that they would ordain themselves with. And it's like, you, you wear the law on you, but the law is not written on your heart. And I think that, um, we have to remember what the purpose of, of the scriptures are, the purpose of the laws. And um, we have to, we have to try to reconcile things. You know, people, I feel like the problem is people have preconceived conclusions, right? And they just go back and justify it later. And this is true of everything, not just the Bible. Like this is true of people's views on politics. This is true of people's views on economics. This is true of people's religious views. People just on average, you know, the majority, they tend to just like, Oh, I believe this. And then I'm going to go just cherry pick things in, you know, out of the Bible in isolation that justify my position. It's like, okay, but you know, that's not how one reads the Bible. Actually, what you have to do is like, look at the verse in the context of the chapter chapter in the context of the entire book, understand the author of that book, understand its point in history, understand like the nuances and language and culture. There's a lot that goes into reading the Bible. And, um, you know, just just cherry picking one one passage, um, and and not putting it, you know, in in the context of of the entire narrative and and all that is is it's just very irresponsible. But unfortunately, that's um, that's what a lot of people do. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, yeah, yeah. That's kind of so, what I grew up on too. Is like you just you read a passage and you're like, well, what do you think that means? And it's like, well. You know, they'd say what they thought it meant. And then it's like, how do we apply that to our life? And it's like, well, it's not really the best way to read the Bible. No, um, no. <laughs> you know, like you got to like, you know, what did it mean back then? And like right. find another passage where it talks about this very thing, because maybe it doesn't mean what you think. And uh, like, um, you know, use the Bible to translate the Bible, basically. Like the, this word means what? Well, let's go back to the last time they used this word. You know, I mean, it could, oh, yeah. it could mean something yeah. totally different. Well, like in, in Romans 13, people sometimes will translate it to be talking about a state, but the word that's used is exousia, which is uh, used a lot in the New Testament, and it's not very often used to describe a state. And the couple of times it is, it's actually describing like, evil demonic states that are kind of like in the, in the vein of what I was describing earlier when evil kingdoms of men were used to punish Israel. That was like the only context in which, in which that word was used to describe a state. So it's like, I don't know. So take your pick either, either because like to me, I, I think Romans 13 is describing 
Um, and this is like the, the nitty gritty of libertarian philosophy, kind of like the difference between governance and statism, yeah. which is like, I don't think that true libertarians are against the, the, the roles or the norms of like governing or like civil justice. What we're against is a centralized monopoly of, mm-hmm. of, of, of governance that's created through the initiation of force. Cause it's like the, the state to me just inherently violates it, it violates the prescription of Romans 13. It even just violates like the norms of biblical morality. I mean, do not murder and do not steal. I mean, the state literally exists through threatening uh, death to justify, to, to uh, enable it to steal from you to ex- like, it, it ex- and, and initiate. And then, you know, there's no state in history that doesn't have just, you know, mountains of blood on its hands. So it's just like, there's, there's no metric I can use to square that circle. <laughs> if I'm, yeah, if I'm like trying exactly. my hardest. Um, and it, it's like, because Christians don't see this, they just tend to just bl- blind, like almost blindly, at least, at least the Republican authorities. But even it's like, it doesn't matter. Even when Democrats are in power, it seems like Christians just are always, uh, such bootlickers for cops right mm-hmm. i mean it's just like it's always like some you know and the military too like anyone that serves in the military anyone that's serving with the police it's like you know this this honor and reverence that gets bestowed upon them um it's well, an extension of like that idolatry of the state well i mean i think the christian left is uh does the exact same thing they just put it on different people so like all the scientists they they know what they're doing and then the you know, like the president Biden, he'll he'll do good, and um, yeah, they'll just pick different people to, you know, they'll basically well, oh yeah, they're pressing black people. We need the state to fix this. It's like no, like or we we hate the police, but do I mean they say they hate the police, but then they just turn around and um, just want every single program that's going to have to be enforced by the police. So I don't think they right. ever really think it completely through, but I mean, the, I mean, I think the left is sometimes almost worse in, in terms of their religiosity of the state. Um, I mean, they, they both, they both compete for how bad it can be, but uh, yeah. yeah, the left definitely uh, left Christianity definitely has that uh, strain in it as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, nothing um, on the right, I was going to say, like, nothing's more ironic about conservative Christianity than when people pair the um, thin blue line flag with the come and, uh, or, like, the come and take it flag or the don't tread on me flag. And I'm just like, hey, guys, who do you who do you think is going to come and take it? Yeah, I literally <laughs> like, saw that one day, too. I was like, oh, it's real. It's like, like two of them on a flagpole. Right. It was like you know, the thin and, blue line and then the, the, the Gatskin flag. Or, right. Yeah. And it's just like, we didn't have, you know, America didn't always have standing police and I mean the closest. And then if you really want to, if you really want to make a comparison to like the founding of America, like if you're going to play that game, it's like supporting the police today is basically not much different than uh, it, supporting the Redcoats in 1776. I mean, it's there's not much of a difference, in my opinion, because I mean, and, and really, it's like bringing up the American Revolution can be useful for this, these conversations, because it's like if if really we're supposed to just obey the governing authorities, it's like, well, then wasn't wasn't the American Revolution like 
a um, uh, sinful for Christians to participate in. No. And if it... <laughs> the Bible is the constitution in Christianity. Oh, right. So, right. like, it wasn't... It, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't start till <laughs> after the constitution. So once, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I like the yeah. constitution. Like if we could go back to the constitution, that'd be great. But it is weird when it's so people obsess over it. Like it's just this amazing document. Like, oh my gosh. And it's yeah. Like, no, like I mean, it, I, I think the problem is in America, which we're taught a very American centric version of history. That's like literally history started in 1776. Like the, Bi- yeah. the Bible was probably written in 1776. You know what I mean? Like the founder, it's like it, people are just so indoctrinated by like, like what you said earlier, the, um, it's the myth of the, the, uh, the mythos of American exceptionalism. And it just, you know, and, and then like, I can't, I can't go to, I can't go to church on 4th of July, dude. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's like <laughs> literally don't bow down to idols. And then like, uh, you know, people put these giant American flags up and they're pledging allegiance to it and they're singing the national anthem. I'm just like, did, did we, did we not, um, uh, I'm just like, it's just to me, state is just, you know, it's just like in, in first Samuel eight, when God says, you know, um, they have rejected me just like they have from the very day that I brought them out of Egypt. You know, they erect golden calves, then they ask for a king, and now we have, you know, our magical sky cloth. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, um, I was gonna yeah, say, Craig I mean, asked I, I, where you can get this shirt. Uh, you can get it on Amazon or on, uh, uh, I think you can also get it on yeah, anarchochristian.com. You actually have to go to, uh, Albert Lee Area Libertarians Facebook page and then type in that you want it. So, oh. <laughs> I don't know whose shirt you're talking about. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's Daniel or Jacob. Sorry. Yeah. No. It's, Jacob Daniel. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone calls me. Dan- I just like I, I have to get used to it. But it's like the the name Daniel three is the is the story Daniel three, which is like it's a, a, you know a Shadrach Meshach and Abednego refusing to bow down to the king. You know the the Bible is filled with so many stories where people defied governing authorities. It's just like I don't understand how people don't make that connection. Moses defied Pharaoh, right? Um mm. the um uh the apostles defied Rome. Meshach, Radchak and Abednego and and Daniel all at different times defied uh defied Babylon. Uh so yeah, there's just I, I don't know you know, I, half the New Testament was written by Paul who, when he was in jail, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Like, it's just if, if your version of Christianity is very state worshiping, you just, I don't know, you might need to reevaluate that. That's all I can say. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think too, it's like uh, the, where people think in just sort of this black and white where it's like, well, obviously these communist countries, they're bad. So we're good. I mean, um, so they just, so they have to continue to justify everything about America and then, you know, talk about yep. how bad communism is. And it's like, yeah, well, we're pretty authoritarian now, too, after 2020. You know, so, um, yeah. And I mean, yeah, a lot of sure. right wingers obviously are waking up to that and everything, too. But it's still kind of like there's this. Yeah, like I said, where the Constitution is the Bible to them, and it's 
it's it's somehow like still like if we can just get back to this one thing then we'll we'll all be good and it's like i don't think we can do that i think the state is so out of control and you know it's so um uh diverse like we can't just point a gun at someone and kill them and the state is over like it's it's this just giant erosion of all these freedoms and it's in so many places it's ridiculous so i mean i in a lot of ways it's like you just gotta start over like you just gotta and that's where the police come in because it's like one thing standing between you and freedom is the police like they're the teeth of the state like right so i mean it's it's weird it's a weird thing where you can't let go of the one thing that's gonna allow you freedom yeah, I don't, I don't get where um, the, the disconnect is. It's, it, I mean, I, I do get because, like, you know, people are raised in the public school system and, and in this culture that just, you know, all, all these things are normalized. You know what I mean? And, and we're conditioned to accept these things as, uh, you know, the status quo as just being being what it is. Um, but well, and I think too, like how I became an anarcho-capitalist i mean i was i was a staunch minarchist i didn't even think taxation was theft for like the longest time as a libertarian i was just like well i mean it is theft but we kind of do need it because there's evil in the world and so like it's the lesser evil and right some weird mind flip there but it's like you know (laughs) i believe that where was i going with this um what was i talking about you're gonna have to help me (laughs) (laughs) about the about about the about the police being the teeth of the state Yes. So I completely lost where I was going. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, like we said, it's, it's at the end of, at the end of every law is, is, is the police, right? I mean, what is like government without the police is just people putting words on paper, right? Like somebody has to come enforce it. And the people that do the enforcing in in our state are the police. So, um, Oh, I know what I was going to say. Yeah, so I read um, Anatomy of the State by Murray Rothbard, and the whole time I was right. just like, yeah, I get how bad the state is. Like, this isn't an argument to me. Like, just, I get how bad the state is. I get how bad. And then finally, it just kind of clicked. Like, that is the argument. The state is just so bad, you got to get rid of it. Like, um, so it was just kind of a weird thing because it wasn't so much like um, just this logical breaking down of, well, this is how it would work in an anarchist society. Like, it was just like, no, the state is pure fucking evil like you can't get around that and so it's like um you know like it's more of a sense of we gotta get find a way without it um and whatever we do without it is just definitely going to be way better because it's very evil yeah for sure and um yeah it's just there's and then when like someone just uh asked what we do with first peter two where it says, uh, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Well, right. I, I, uh, I don't want to be too smart with my answer here. I deal with it by reading the passage, right? I mean, it says, submit yourselves to the human authority who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right the minute somebody isn't acting in the prescription there, they are not ordained um, as, as rightful human authority as, 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 as legitimate humans authority based upon this passage. God 
if, if, if somebody comes and claims to be a, a, a ruler or a leader or an authority acting in that role, but they are um, not uh, protecting the innocent and commending what is good, and they are not punishing and restricting evil, but in fact they're doing the opposite, well then they can't be defended by this passage. Now, um, my friend Craig... Uh, Hargis of the Bad Ribbon Project talks about the, also the difference and the dichotomy of submitting to the state versus obedience. And um, we are supposed to, in First Timothy, it says we must obey God rather, rather than men. And then you have these passages, First Peter and Romans, that talk about submitting to authorities. So even if we were um, like even if let's say my take, I, I want I always like to give multiple answers, right? My answer to Romans 13 and to first Peter are that we'll, we'll look at the text. And to me, these texts are prescriptive, not descriptive. Um, because otherwise it would just be in the, it would be flying in the face of, of logical reality. If we're trying to say, well, then any God is saying that states and, and, and rulers are just good verbatim. Then we're saying they're good verbatim. And, everything they do is punishing those who do wrong and commending those who do right. Or it's always not a terror that those who do good works, even though literally like every state in existence today and in history literally does the opposite of that. So to me, it's just a, it's a logical absurdity to try to read that passage as descriptive. It has to be read prescriptively, meaning that God is, God is describing the the norms of civil justice and the role of people to act in the capacity of governing of of being um you know it's like it, it gets a lot into semantics and we have to remember that like this was written in in greek you know hmm. 2000 some years ago and we're, we're we're using english words and i don't have time to do a full exegetical you know, deep dive into the language stuff here because that gets really interesting when you look at sentence structure and the differences of how uh, words are used in the Greek. Some words have a have a male and a female, um, you know, version of them connotation to them. So there's, uh, it, it's just it's very complex. But I'm I'm trying to give it like the Reader's Digest version here. Um, you know, there's just different there's different connotations to words back then that don't have the same connotations that we have today. Like the word ruler, for example, um, we take that word and we think of a ruler as like a master. But really, the word ruler in a more traditional sense was just somebody who is uh, enforcing the rules. It's kind of like, um, you know, a ruler, like an actual like, you know, wooden ruler is used to rule or measure something. So the ruler is, is, is the, um, what's the word here? It's like the, uh, it's the standard, right? It, it, it is the thing that you compare to and, 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 and evaluate things by. So in, in a more like, in a, in a, in a complex reading of this passage where you're going through it and, 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 and looking at the original language and stuff, the word rulers and, and governors and stuff like that have different connotations than what we think of those words um, today, I think. Um, but even if I'm just to summarize this, then even if my take on this is wrong, the wording here is just to submit. And I think that in a Christian sense, we are called to kind of like turn our cheek to the other cheek and not to repay evil for evil. So if the state is tyrannizing people, even 
you know, Meshach, Radshach, Abednego, Daniel, um, the apostles, they submitted to the state punishment, right? They still disobeyed. But, um, you know, now in some examples, God rescues people like God delivered uh, is the Israelites and Moses out of Pharaoh's hand. God delivered Meshach, Radshach, and Abednego and Daniel out of the punishment that the Babylon kings gave them. Um, and sometimes he helped uh, the apostles escape jail, but they still ultimately then eventually uh, met their death at the hands of the state. A lot of them did. So um, they, they, you know, I do think that when the state comes uh, to, to punish you, if you've disobeyed them, uh, we, we probably are called as Christians to submit to that punishment. Kind of like, you know, Rosa Parks. This is like my, my friend Craig Hargis uses this example of Rosa Parks. Um, she disobeyed the rule about where she is supposed to sit on the bus. But when they came and said that they had to like, you know, take her off and arrest her, she submitted to to that punishment. So those are, those are you know, it, it it's it's more that I could get into with the rest of the time I have here tonight. <laughs> I hope that kind of satisfies um uh your answer there steven so like, is a ruler a person or a standard would you say yeah i think it's i mean it's it's people acting out uh certain roles that 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 yeah and and then the standard that they're supposed to be applying is given there in the text you know what i mean like like yeah. in romans 13 it says that the that the exousia the governing authorities are not a terror to those who do good, uh, but rather those who do evil. That if you would, it's like, do you not want to fear the authorities? Then do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. But if you do evil, beware, for the um, exousia does not bear the sword in vain. It's like, okay, like if you're gonna try to uh, like try to logically apply that to the state, figure out a way to square that circle, or, um. And even if you do, if you if you do square that circle, then you have to. Then I still think there's a difference between submitting and obedience. Um, but I don't think you can square that circle. And because you can't, I think you have to read that passage as uh, as prescriptive. And you have to understand, like things are written in the Bible sometimes in a very esoteric sense, because like you know, Paul wasn't writing in American language using American like vernacular you know what i mean it's like like this stuff is like two thousand years removed so <laughs> the the original audience would have understood this stuff better than we did we do now so we kind of have to go back and and, we, and then like again like if, if paul really thought that you were just supposed to obey the state he did a really piss poor job <laughs> yeah he's <laughs> looking at looking at his life and looking at and then we have to square this like you know steven you know, made the, made a comment in, in saying context it's like yeah i agree context but it's like it's context of the chapter of the book and then you have to also um c uh, square it with the entirety of the bible and scripture and when when you take you know the when you when you start looking at the the bible as as a whole as a series of stories that form a narrative and then you start from that that um that that larger narrative view and then work down into the nitty-gritty passages that is a better hermeneutic than starting from an 80 gritty passage and 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 like you know what i mean working backwards to try to like 
you know, you, you have to understand the narrative of the Bible as a whole first, have Christ really and his teachings as kind of the hermeneutic that we operate by, understanding that all scripture is God, as, for, as it says in First Timothy, all scripture is God breathed and, you know, that means inspired, um, guided by the Holy Spirit and useful for instruction and for uh, leading people to repentance and to righteousness and to God. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's complex. I'm, I'm not saying that I, I'm, you know, I'm not claiming absolute certainty here. These are my opinions. This is a journey that I think all of us Christian libertarians are on and these conversations are, you know, good to have. And I think every time I, I have somebody on the podcast and we talk about these things, you know, we're, we're, we're able to, it's kind of like the like Jordan Peterson used this analogy once um, that like the the truth is kind of like this diamond, but it's like the diamond is covered by all this earth and we're and debris and and dirt and we're trying to unearth it. And so uh, every time we 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 look at the Bible and we have these conversations, we 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 scrape off just a little bit more of that debris and that dirt and get to see more of the truth underneath them. Um, and we, we never really in this lifetime get there to see the whole thing. We um, even Paul said, like, I see dimly, you know what I mean? Through a, uh, uh, like, I, I see very little dimly through like a, like a unclear blurry glass for the exact analogy, but um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a journey, but I do think it's hard to square these things um, uh with a consistent reading of the Bible with, with these passages and trying to interpret them. And then also just like the norms of like, do not steal, do not murder, do not commit idolatry. And I think the state breaks all three of those literally just by its existence. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the here, you know, um, 15 minutes in, um, I did want to also talk to you a little bit. We, I think we've covered the Christian liberty stuff pretty good. Um, we're both also in the Mises caucus and like, we, you know, the nuances of, of Christian anarchist and Christian libertarian philosophy, uh, notwithstanding, we all agree on the end goal of like, you know, wanting to, to, uh, you know, end the state or at least like radically scale it back, um, scale back a lot of the violence and, um, the worst things that the state does, you know, uh, well, you know, immigration, policing, the war on drugs, the the foreign wars and all that. Um, so then it's like, okay, what's our, you know, we have our, um, our ethos, but what is our praxis? And you and I have, you know, both gotten involved in the libertarian party and, you know, specifically in the Mises caucus. What was, uh, you, you kind of described how you came to find the caucus. Um, you know, what are the things about the caucus that, that you like and what do you think is, you know, the proper strategy for trying to engage in politics to, it's like, it's, you know, cause it's always kind of like hard to explain. So I want to get like your take on it. Like people are like, well, you're an anarchist and you hate the state, but you're engaging in politics. Like, isn't that contradictory? So it's like, um, yeah. you know, w- w- what's the strategy there? Like in your own words, I always think of that like, um, say there's a train and there's a bridge blown out ahead and, you know, it's, you're obviously in a Western and on a horse and you gotta, you gotta stop the train. So it's like, you're riding alongside the train, you're telling people slow down, stop, you know, and I, I can imagine a bunch of libertarians on the train being like, this guy doesn't really believe what he's saying because he's going the same direction, you know, we are, and he's, you know, he's doing the same thing. We are obviously he doesn't believe in what we're doing. Like if you really believe the bridge was out, he'd be going the opposite direction. 
And then it's like, you know, maybe you, you jump on the train and you try to pull the brakes or something like that. And it's like, now he's even on the train. Like he's completely a part of this. And it's like, no, like the only way to get everyone is so enamored by the state and it's such a big deal in America and probably everywhere, but especially the more authoritarian you get, the more politics has to do with everything, the more people are paying attention to this stuff. So it's kind of like, yeah, you got to get out ahead of in front of that. And if that means running for president on with the messaging of, hey, we should end this whole state. Like, I'm all for that. Like, what, what is wrong with that? Um, especially when you're clear about what you're doing. And it's obvious what you're doing. Uh, I don't think it's right. like, I mean, all these people are like, well, you shouldn't be involved in politics if you don't believe in politics. Well, it's like, what if you just say, I don't believe in politics, we should end it all. But also, I'm going to run on that. Like, like I'm going to try to stop the, you throw a wrench in the gears, you know, do whatever I can. Um, I, right. It's like, I can, it's, it's like, we don't live in Ancapistan. Like, Pete Wahona says this on his podcast, and he, he, you know, there's a lot of stuff that Pete says, and Pete's an edgelord on Twitter, and uh, and sometimes like him and I have clashed a little bit at times. But but nice. this is one point where I think Pete is like a hundred percent spot on, which is like some some libertarians and some anarchists like they're 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 living in Ancapistan in their head and not dealing with like the reality in front of us, which is like I like to me, it's like I view anarchy as like the destination. It's like we're on the like we're trying. It's like it's like we're trying to get to Las Vegas as a good as like an analogy I use often. It's like okay, but we're in Maine, so we're not in Vegas right now. So we're gonna have to travel through a lot of what's not Vegas to get to Vegas. Like we're not gonna just instantly, you know, we're not Goku for Dragon Ball Z. We don't have instant transmission. You know what I mean? We can't just. <laughs> we don't have teleportation. We don't have Star Trek transporters that can take us from one spot to to, to another. I'm 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 really uh, outing myself as a nerd for <laughs> watching those two shows. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's like so. Uh, without that ability to just instantly transport, we're gonna have to travel through a lot of like. It's like people will be like, "Oh, you're in." you're engaging in all this stuff that's not anarchy. It's like, okay, yeah, because I'm trying to get to anarchy and we're not there. That's like saying like, you're like, it's like, it's like you're trying to go to Vegas, but like, you're not in Vegas right now. Like it's to me, like, I don't understand why some people don't get that. Like to me, it just seems crystal clear, but I don't know. Maybe I'm, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just my, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm missing something, but to me it seems, I mean, does that make sense to you? That analogy? Yeah, I, and I'm a huge fan of Pete Quinones. Like, that's pretty much the only podcast I listen to anymore, just because he's great. Like, he's always pushing the edges of thought and stuff like that. But oh, yeah, when I, he, I appreciate Pete a lot. Yeah, love but. Pete. Um, but when he says like Anc we're living in Ancapistan in our heads, a lot of times he's just trying to say that we should just accept this sort of right wing approach, or not right wing, but um, well, like he'll use the example of Christy Noem, like she. South Dakota was the only state that didn't lock down. They did really well in all the COVID stuff. Uh, hats off to them. Sorry. <laughs> but they also, there's a fly. That fly, that fly is coming for you, man. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that is a statist fly. Exactly. Very, very, it's a Karen. It's very, very upset with you. <laughs> it's a fed. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he'll say that we're living in a cap stand our heads and like Christy Noem, like we should just, we shouldn't be upset that she's, going against all of her constituents and blocking marijuana bill, like legalizing marijuana. And it's like, no, you have to, 
I agree that you should like accept the win be like, yeah, this is good. But you know, there's the phrase, you know, shoot for the, the moon fall amongst the stars. It's funny you said that because somebody literally has this in the comments. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's a very great point. And then, you know, like strive for excellence. And so, you know, strive for perfection. And so doing, you'll achieve excellence. It's like, we got to know where we're going and we got to be like, Hey, you did good on this. You did bad on this. I don't think you can just, you know, like you can't just go further right and think you're going to be able to use the state to gain power. I think you got to still just strive to get rid of it. I mean, it's, I, I get that. Um, yeah. It, and he'll talk about the Machiavellians, Machiavellians. Machiavellian, yeah. A book, yeah. which is a book I need to read. So maybe that'll change everything once I read that book. But, and I agree with like using the, whatever method you can to like, force the the state to um you know to roll back the state in whatever way you can but uh i, yeah, I also I, think there's nothing wrong with um a little bit of ancapistan in your heads like you got to have it in your head if oh, that's yeah. where you're going you just can't be like you need a the state or nothing or and uh, the state or nothing i i like um jeff jeff dice said this in his speech in pittsburgh when he came out for the take human action bash he's like you need a north star you you yeah. need you need in Capistan. You need uh you know the 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 vision that Murray Rothbard and 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 the Mises Institute and stuff like what they put out there so that so that you know again it's like it's like using the Las Vegas analogy like I need to know where Vegas is and what it is to get there. Like if I say I want to get to Las Vegas but I can't even define where it is what it is it's like i'm just gonna end up somewhere and say that's vegas or or it's like there's there's i'm sure there's there's like every city in the country i'm sure there's a las vegas in another state right so it's like i could say i want to get to las vegas but i'll end up in like las vegas texas or las vegas utah and it's like no i want to get to las vegas nevada that's like the actual las vegas i want to get to not some uh you know, fa- false ones. So it's like you have to you have to define the 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 goal to move in the right direction. But um, I don't want to live in when I say I don't want to live in Encapistan in my head. It's like I don't want to live um, engaged in the in the Nirvana fallacy, as I label it, which is like I won't settle for anything less than perfection. Like I'm I, like I mean, exactly. In, in one sense, I won't settle. And it meaning it, but when I say I won't settle, it's like I'm going to keep working. I'm not going to ever get to a point where it's like, oh, I'm satisfied with the state. Like I'm never going to be satisfied with it. But I will, in a like temporary sense, I will take uh, partial victories along the road to try to get there. Right? And like it's okay. It basically it's like, hey, it's okay on the way to Vegas to like stop at a hotel and and sleep for a little bit you know like you don't you don't need to get in your car and and literally drive from maine to las vegas and not stop driving (laughs) well i i I think too kind of what he's um getting at without getting at it is that there's if you're outraged at something and then you change that something and you're still outraged if you're just perpetually outraged no matter what happens then people just tend to ignore you like so it's like you have to be outraged and then you have to be grateful and somehow and i you know i think you kind of just have to do both i don't think it can be binary like that if that makes sense so it's like yeah i i I agree yeah i think you have to you know you 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 have to uh, and like the goal isn't just 
like to uh, I'll try to like keep I'm gonna keep building on this analogy with the things you say. Like it's not just that you and me want to get to Las Vegas. We we like in in this analogy, we're trying to get everybody to get to Las. It's like Las Vegas is like for some reason like you know everyone's got to go there. Elvis is 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 has come back to life and where he actually he never, he never died. died. He's, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he never died, and he's he's doing a uh, welcome. Aha, I gotcha uh, tour in uh, starting in Vegas. I don't know. Like, we're, like we're trying to get everybody to come with us. So mm. we have to, you know, convince them that this is worthwhile, which means like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to run out of ways to keep this analogy going. But it's like, you know, <laughs> we're, 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 the, the point of politics is to, I think, I think it's, it's kind of threefold. I think one, if you can get partial victories that actually like, make meaningful changes in people's lives where the state violence has been reduced. Like, even if it's not totally gone, I'm going to say like, well, I mean, uh, those people in those situations are going to say it makes a difference. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, like, like I'm going to keep saying taxation is theft, but if taxation was reduced from like half my wealth being stolen to like 15% of my wealth being stolen, I'm going to be grateful for that, like, you know, uh, massive decrease in how much is getting stolen from me. Even if I'm still like, it's like, it's, it's, it's like two things at once. Like we can do two things at once. We can be grateful that less was stolen from us while still calling out that, Hey, uh, thanks for letting me keep 35% more of my wealth than I was before. But you know, it's still wrong for you to be taking even 15% of it. You can, you can make both those points at the same, uh, at, at the same time. You know what? Extremist ideology like this is why no one reasonable likes you. How do you plan on paying for the military and police then? Question mark. That, that was a comment on the uh, Libertarian Party of Minnesota page. Let's <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> just throw that other. Uh, but yeah, the other thing um, people talk about, I'm trying to think. Because, um, yeah, I've, I listen to his podcast a lot. I love it. So it's like I store up all these like uh, things I don't quite agree with. Um, but he'll talk about, uh, oh gosh, I can't think of what I was going to say. Anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, Pete, Pete's always been a guy that I followed and, you know, lately it's just, I don't have any major, like, oh, I, oh, I, oh yeah. I okay, go ahead. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, he, you know, we'll talk about the division of labor and he was kind of saying like, well, no, we all need to be in the same boat like we all need to have the same strategy and this was probably yeah, matt erickson as well too yeah it's yeah. like no um for one thing it, it comes down to and this always happens during the libertarian presidential elections too it's like well if um everyone voted for libertarian libertarians would win it's like well no they wouldn't win uh if everyone voted if every libertarian voted for the best republican then libertarians would win it's like no they still won't win like there's no there's not enough libertarians. There's no way you can divide this so that we win. And so it's like, yeah, if we right. all joined this one, this one strategy, like, okay, we still want, we're still not going to win. So it's like, I like that, um, you know, there's um, the agorists, like they have a really good, they're, they're awesome. Like they're just, they have this perspective of, no, we're not going to do anything political. We're just going to go our own way and sort of lead by example. Like, that's awesome. We need people like that. And, you know, we also need people to get out in front of the train and just yell and be like, hey, like, hey, you're going the wrong direction. And I think uh, I think there is a very good 
argument for the division of labor. I think, you know, like Michael Malice, can you imagine life without Michael Malice? Like the guy is awesome. And Dave Smith, that guy's great too. Like I can't imagine the Liberty movement without those two guys. And yet they're approaching it differently. Like, so what? Like you do right. you. And I don't want to I also don't like people just libertarians attacking people that are obviously fighting for Liberty. Like, it's like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I agree. understand that you got to disagree and got to argue about strategy. You're a libertarian. That's what you do. But like, just don't like attack them, like talk, be reasonable and be in good faith. I don't know. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And it's, um, and I think, I think the problem is like the agorists, um, they like, if I was going to steal man, their argument, they're like, well, because you guys are doing something different, you're, uh, you know, like this is stuff like, like, like Matt Ericks and other people have said, you know, like you're muddying the message and you're, you're leading people astray. You know, we have scarce time and resources and, uh, if you distract them doing politics, which isn't going to be productive, they're not doing these other things that are what they need to be doing. Um, you know, so it's like, I, I get where they're coming from, but then it's like, okay, but also what's also not a good use of time is spending a lot of your time and energy criticizing what other people are doing in the name of your same goal. And like, this is like my, my criticism of fakertarians. And like the whole like loser brigade is like, and and now and and to be fair, I hold Matt Erickson and a lot of the like post libertarian people in a lot higher regard than I do fakertarians. Um, for sure, yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's it's not like I'm trying to compare them in terms of their you know like they're they're they're, they're way better, but but they do have a similar I think, uh, fatal flaw in their praxis I think, which is just like spending way too much time trying to tear down and criticize instead of just doing and building what you want to do and build. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so it's like, listen, if, if you think your way is better for going to Liberty, then go and do it. But like, don't spend so much time trying to shit on us and trying to change our mind. You know what I mean? Like make the argument once, maybe twice, and then move on and just, you know, agree to disagree and, um, and let's work together on the things we want to work together on. And, um, you know, go our separate ways on the things we want to go our separate ways on. Like, there's no reason. And I, I think they oversimplify things a lot. Like I think Matt oversimplifies the ideas of like, it's like, well, you, you, you can't do both. You can't do agorism and politics. I was like, I don't know. I think, I think you kind of like can, cause like agorism in a lot of ways, there's a lot of ways to do agorism. That's really simple. You know what I mean? Well, and it's like, and it's like, and like no one's saying do politics and literally every spare minute and hour of your life devote to politics. Like, like you can do politics by like some people will do politics more than others, but other people, it's like, Hey, we just literally mean show up to state convention once a year, show up to your national convention every two years and vote every two years. Like we're not asking for a huge portion of everyone's time. We're asking for them to just care enough to it really, it's a really small ask to be honest. It's like at the very least, just, Hey, just like vote L <laughs> like like it's not like voting l requires a enorm- uh, you know a, a a giant uh ask or anything i don't know i mean like the mises caucus is doing a lot of work like you know raising money to give to candidates and and stuff like that like there's a lot of work there but we're not saying everybody needs to do that and even the people that are involved in the mises caucus like i'm a state organizer in the caucus but it's not the only thing i do yeah 
And I mean, the the critique of Agris always is if you're telling other people not to be involved in politics, you're being involved in politics. What are you doing? So it's it kind of goes yeah. that way, too. I mean, <laughs> which is but um, yeah, yeah, so I, I'm a just, yeah, division of labor. And I yeah, I think Dave Smith and Michael Malice is a perfect example of just two people doing different things and they're achieving the same goal. Like, why not? Yep, I I 100% agree. I, I I think that you know, the, the, I think the strategy of the Mises Caucus, like if you're going to do politics, I think like I, I mean I I respect guys like Tho and and Matt and stuff, you know, but I, I disagree with them that the GOP would be better. I think that Ron Paul kind of showed us that the GOP is unsalvageable, and I I get that like it might be different on a local level, like state and counties and stuff, but then it's just like I I, I don't know like. Um, I think it just it depends on where you're at, but I think if you're going to preach libertarian philosophy, it just makes more sense to do it from the position of a libertarian, the, the libertarian party. So even if you're running a local, well, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's, you know, the, the nice thing about the local is that you don't need, like the argument is like, well, the GOP has more power. So uh, go take over that. It's like, well, but we can't take over the GOP on the, on the national level because like they're so corrupt and they have all that power. I was like, oh, we don't need to do the national level. Just take over the county and state level. I was like, well, the, the GOP and the Democratic Party, like they don't they don't really do that much on the county and local level. Like that's actually so. It's like the the local GOP probably doesn't have that much more power compared to your local county or state affiliate. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, there's little differences in ballot access and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's 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 like the the power that hypothetically could be wielded is only available if you take over on a national level, which is impossible to do. So to me, it's just a self-defeating argument. Well, it comes down to that same thing where it's like, if every libertarian ran as a Republican, they wouldn't win. And if every right. libertarian ran as a libertarian, they wouldn't win. Like it's because well, libertarianism isn't popular. But the nice thing about running as a libertarian under the libertarian banner is you're actually promoting libertarianism so like right. if so i mean it's the whole um dave smith will talk about this the ron paul revolution was centered around ron paul so right. when ron paul stepped down and just you know like even though he's still alive and he's still working when he stepped down from his presidential run it just kind of faded so if we can do that but if we center it around a party like maybe we can keep this thing going and actually continuously build up speed and we won't have that sort of die off that happened when uh, certain Gary Johnson ran and stuff like that. So, yeah, exactly. And it's like, even if we don't win on a political level, like, cause like to me, like there's victory is not so much to me about just like incrementally rolling back the state, but making more libertarians because right now we're such a minority that like the main goal needs to be growing like, like political victories. If those can be, achieved and used to roll back the state we're so far off from being able to do that in a meaningful way because we're such a minority so we have to uh convert more people to libertarianism um now i think some people have a very fatalist view of like how many people you can't convert and they think some people are just always going to reject libertarianism and always want a state and i think in a sense that there there's some truth to that um well but, i mean people are well go ahead well i was gonna say well you, you go ahead because i'm i'm, I'm it, 
I have a few ways I could go with that, but I want to hear your thoughts. So, I mean, people, most people are sheeple. So they need to be led and they need to be taken care of. So it doesn't have, it can be done by a libertarian. Like it, we need a few radicals to, that can change the entire country because there's, there's all sorts of people that, I mean, that's the nice thing again about having a party because, you know, someone just is like, oh, I'm a Republican. So I'll just vote, you know, red. Well, it's like, why don't you vote yellow? Like maybe that can be your identity. Maybe you can just see a libertarian on TV and be like, okay, I'm a libertarian. I mean, so I think it's, you know, it's, it's about changing the culture and it's the same thing with my affiliate. I was, uh, tending a, a clubhouse and he was talking about how to grow your affiliate. And he's like, just meet up weekly, have drinks. Like that's how you grow your affiliate. Right. And then yeah. maybe eventually, like when you get a big enough, enough people, maybe you'll run a candidate. Or maybe you'll do this or that. But it, like, it all starts around building a community and just reaching out to people. And it, it, that's, that's the most important thing. So I think you know, that's where you need to start. Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree with that. And um, that's, that's why I'm part of the caucus. And it's, it's not, you know, I always tell people, like, it's not the only thing I do. I have this podcast. I have, <laughs> I have the, the, I'm part of the Mises caucus. But I also, you know, I, I believe in, you know, uh, agorism as far as a strategy too. I like cryptocurrency. It's like, there's a lot of different ways to push on, uh, to push back against the state and to push libertarian ideas into the conversation with people. Um, and, and we should be doing that in every way possible. And everyone's going to have different callings. Everyone's going to have different gifts. Like we're not all like, like, you know, division of labor exists. And and it is important for two reasons. One, um, some things are complex and to make them requires different specializations. And there's like the analogy of the pencil that's often used in the Austrian uh, literature and stuff, which is like uh, to to make something as simple as a pencil requires, you know, several different um, uh, fields of specialization and, and people that like they're, uh, end goal isn't necessarily like starting out to make a pencil, but just that, uh, you know, you, you, without all these different industries doing different things, the the means to make the pencil just wouldn't exist. Um, so, yeah, and it's and then, impossible and then, for any one person right. to do it. Right, exactly. And and then too, the reason that and the reason division labor happens too is just that everyone has different. Um, interests different preferences and different um skills like we don't have the same skills different you know i think i think most people have things they're good at but you know some people are more engineer uh, like have an engineering mind some people are better at troubleshooting and fixing things some people are more artistically gifted like everyone's got different you know what i mean it's like and so that's why you know, free market economics is beautiful. And to me, like everything is almost like, you know, this is the Austrian perspective. Everything is defined in terms of, of human action and economics, even political activism, even libertarian activism falls under the same rules of scarcity and, and economic analysis. So if the end goal we're trying to craft is a libertarian society, um, yeah, we're we're going to need to grow the movement, get more libertarians, but they're going to do different things and they're going to do a variety of different things in their own individual lives. But it's 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 only through spending less time opposing each other and more time just 
promoting each other and promoting the different ways that we we go about this that we're going to be successful in the long term um that's 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 what i think but i will give you um before i close out the final thoughts because we're running close to an hour and 20 minutes i think we've touched on anything so what what are your you know give us the final word on you know libertarian strategy and um how how we can get to las vegas or you know the, the goal that we're trying to get to well, I think um, like I'm on the, the Minnesota uh, State Libertarian Party and, you know, I help run the social media and we've had disagreements in the social media. And I've just kind of pushed like, hey, we disagree on 5% of stuff. Let's just not post that 5%. Like I won't post right leaning stuff and you don't post left like it's it's not like that at all, but it you know certain things like uh, you can't post uh, certain certain things that I don't agree with, and you can't post certain things. Uh, I won't post certain things you would disagree with, and I think that's kind of what the Mises Caucus is. And I it's weird how it's so yes. contentious. It's like yes. literally, it's just like this big like, hey, we want all the libertarians, and we're gonna we're gonna do this together, and it's we're gonna use strong messaging and. You know, like someone, someone just accused us of being like Republicans and all this stuff. And it's like, you, you can't really believe that. Can you like, where is this coming from? Like, and then the very next day, like I posted uh, an all co cops are bad meme. And I'm, everyone's just like mad at me about that. And it's like, come on, like, I can't win. But yeah, I mean, the, so, you know, if you're a pragmatic libertarian, like there's, in a lot of ways, there's room at the Libertarian Party for you. Like, we're not kicking anyone out. Or the Mises Caucus, we're not kicking anyone out. It's just a, uh, just we're really based libertarians, I guess. I don't, um, the other thing, I'm trying to think of how to close a podcast. Um, well, I'll, I'll close that. I just wanted to give you the last word on the. Oh, uh, last word. All right. Yeah. I, I, I want to give you the last word on the subject that we were talking about. But I mean, I 100% um, agree with everything you're saying. And yeah, we're not trying to purge anybody other than like, um, I mean, people maybe who are operating in bad faith and, you know, uh, doxing people and, and uh, you know, the, some people that need to be removed because they're yeah. like violating property rights and, and like being nasty with people. I don't, I don't have a problem moving those people, but if you're just, if you're a good libertarian and you, and you want to work together, but you just like don't agree with us on everything, it's like, well, I mean, good. Like, you know, we, we need different opinions and different voices and, and different ideas. And, you know, we have a friendly competition and back and forth and, you know, we elect the leaders into, into positions within the party. And then, you know, competition's good because iron sharpens iron and, and it, it makes us better. Um, but we need to make sure that competition is, is in good faith and then, um, you know, compete when it's time to compete. And then when the competition's over, work together. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think that's fine. And the Macy's caucus, I, I, um, it was, it was David Hines, um, who's on the, uh, the ex column of the Macy's caucus who, um, I remember the, like he, he said this a while back, which, um, the way he put it really resonated with me early on when I, when I joined the caucus, which is like the Macy's caucus was founded on the idea that libertarians pretty much agree on like 80% of everything regarding political philosophy. Yeah. Let's, let's put that 20% on the back burner and focus on accomplishing that 80%. We, we, we accomplish that 80%. By the time we get to that last 20%, we're probably going to 
realize that we even have a lot more in common on that stuff than we realize, or that a lot of that is just solved by the market and freedom of association. But let's put that 20%, like, let's not focus on that. Let's not focus on our differences of religion or our differences on really wedge issues like abortion. Um, you know, let's focus on the things that like, like there's no libertarian, you know, that I can think of that disagrees with ending the wars, ending the war on drugs, ending the federal reserve, um, you know, criminal justice reform, uh, pushing back against the police state, uh, decentralization back to the local level. Like, you know, if a libertarian can't get on board with that stuff, um, then, you know, they might just not be a libertarian. It's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what else to say. Um, and even then it's like, I'm not like people join the party and they're not always perfect libertarians right away. So it's like, if you join and there's a couple of even those things you're not on board with yet, it's like, okay, stick around and give us a chance to like change your mind on it. Um, but even if there's just, you know, even if most of that is something you agree with, um, I think that we can, uh, you know, get, I think we can get a lot done by kind of like exactly what you said. Like, let's, let's focus on what we have in common and, and spend like, you know, the, the, the biggest waste of energy is, um, focusing on where we disagree and fighting one another because like, we're not the enemy where the, exactly. the, the enemy is the state, the enemy is the authoritarian, the enemy is the, the, the omnipotent cult of the, of the state and, and the people in power who are, uh, you know, uh, uh, oppressing uh, uh you know uh, oppressing people taking their wealth funding all these wars and, and and all this tyranny that that's where our focus has to be so exactly yeah yeah cool well thanks sam i uh i appreciate you coming on man it, uh time flies but I, I think it was a really good conversation um yeah. you know so uh definitely have you back again hopefully i i uh, get to meet you in person sometime soon at some, sure. some one of the libertarian events so um thanks for coming on um for those um follow the podcast just wanted to do a little before i close out here just to give you some announcements of what's coming up um i have next week on tuesday the rescheduled podcast with shane hazel um we had to reschedule that um, i had it scheduled for uh, a couple weeks ago but he uh, had internet problems because a, a dump truck came down his street and like ripped down all of his internet lines. So we couldn't go through with that. Um, but I got him coming back on next Tuesday. That's at 7.30 uh, Eastern time, or I like to call freedom time. Um, and then uh, uh, Thursday, I'm going to have uh, James Gentleman on of the Blackbird. I was just on his show. Um, he's great, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he's in Minnesota with you, right? Yeah. yeah you guys are, so I'm sure you guys know each other. Great guy. Um, yeah, James is awesome. So um, I did his podcast um, last week. I don't know if it's up yet or not, but it should be up soon. And then I'm having him on next week on my podcast. So uh, it's going to be a great conversation. James is a really cool guy. Um, so that's what's coming up next week. After that, um, I got Angela McArdle coming on. I got, um, I, I can't remember everyone. I got, I got a lot of cool people coming on, um, things in the works. So everyone stay tuned, uh, subscribe to the channel. Um, give it a like if you can. Um, I'm, uh, finally, uh, over a hundred subscribers on YouTube. Um, so, uh, I'd like to get that, uh, pushed, get that algorithm going. Um, so, so like subscribe, share if you can. And, um, it's very appreciated. I want to get this message out there. Um, you know, get people to care about Liberty, especially get my fellow Christians and stuff to, to, uh, 
you know, hear the things that like people like when I have Sam on and we're talking about these things, I think it's a message that more people need to hear. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't want anyone's money. I just want to get the, the, the message out there, uh, get, get it in front of as many people as possible because, uh, you know, we want to get to Vegas and we want everybody to come with us. Right. Cause it's, if you share that, this, God yeah. will bless you. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's how I should do it. I, I should. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh God, that was great. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Thanks again, Sam, for hopping on and uh, everyone enjoy uh, the rest of your night. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.